know, when I planned this, what I should have not done is planned my daughter's baptism, a brand new building, in places elder, a week of work and painting and everything else. So I'm a little overwhelmed, but I'm also extremely pumped and blessed. What about you guys? So I'm not going to have you on. I'm going to talk very shortly, briefly, but it's important that we get some gospel message because it is the thing that we're all about in our church. If you guys don't know, I'm Pastor Josiah, one of the pastors here. I am, what they call me, Little Eagle or something? Yes. The smaller version of my dad, no hair, beards, we got almost everything the same, other than giftings. Other than giftings, we're very different. So, I'm excited to do this this time up here for the first time. I've been dreaming about this moment, thinking about this moment. Can we just praise God one more time? So, if you guys could, let's stand up together. Because I'm really going to go is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything he might be created. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You may be seated. So this week's been nuts. I just first of all want to say thank you as the elder or lead elder here. Thank you to all of you who serve. It's absolutely amazing. Six days time, the amount of work that we did was absolutely nuts. And listen, you're always a little nervous as a pastor to be like, hey, I need you guys all to come volunteer for a week because you don't know who's going to show up. Well, surely enough, man, every day we probably have 50 people here every day just knocking this thing out. We painted everything. We redid like the sound and the There is so much you guys don't see that we did in a week. It is absolutely unreal. And that is a testimony to God working in our people. Yeah? So I just personally want to say I'm so, so thankful for all of you. Now, cool story. If you don't know, you're making us. We've gone through some struggles when it comes to finding a building. So if you don't know, we had plans, we had blueprints, we had, we were ready to break land. And the city of Davenport randomly changed the zoning of our property up in the some of you guys were there. It wasn't, what was it, six months ago? It was not that long ago. Six months ago, about 80 of us were sitting down at the city of Davenport, waiting for them to take a vote on whether or not they were going to change the zoning back so we could build our building. How many remember the heartbreak of walking up that day? How many now see that God is sovereign and in control? It's absolutely unreal. Now listen, do you know what it would cost to build this? We paid $450,000 for this building. You have any idea? It would be 2 or $3 million to build this thing. God had a better plan. It's just unreal. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the church. We're going to talk about a, little, a little bit about the importance of a building, what a building is, what a building is not. The first thing I want to start off with is a quote by Charles Spurgeon that says this. I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. Now, 
Let's start with this question. What is the church in the New Testament? The word used in the Greek is this. It's ekklesia. It means church. Now, here's the thing. Here's what church means in the Greek. The assembly. The assembly of the citizens of heaven. Now, what's fascinating is you look at this, and most people think of the church and they're like, oh, the church is just everybody that's a Christian. It's the universal church. And there is that aspect of the church. But what's fascinating is the Greek word means the assembly. And in the New Testament, when they use this word, they're talking about specific gatherings of people. Assembly of people. When people come together. A few examples in the New Testament, Acts 14.23. And when they had appointed elders, and they that today, for them in every Ecclesia, or church, with prayer fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So this shows us that there were churches, or Ecclesia, all over the place where they were appointed elders. Acts 15.41, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the Ecclesiastes, the churches, the groups, the gatherings of people. Romans 16.1, I commend you, commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the Ecclesia, and however you say that word. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. So why do I bring this up? Because there's this misconception about what a church is and what a church is not. How many know we live in a consumeristic America? We live in an America where people think they can sit at home and watch their favorite pastor, and that means church. Listen, I understand missing church sometimes, but the church in the New Testament is clearly an assembly of people. It is a people coming together. How many in this room have experienced the coming together in unity of a church body or our church? Yes. This is not about you just showing up on Sunday. It's not about you listening to me at home. Although if you do that, I'm great. That's also what a church is about people assembling, coming together. Now, why do I bring that up? Because although a building isn't the church spiritually, a building is something. A building is what houses the people of God. A building is what gives us the opportunity to do ministry, to equip the saints, to feed the poor, to meet together, to worship God. Listen, people get to come in and experience the beauty of the gospel, not just in the words that I preach, but in everything about this building. Now, when we were talking about how we were going to set this thing up, you know, there's a lot of design things. What are we going to put screens? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How many remember our distinctives? What was the second week? What was the second week? God, listen, my girl, gospel-centered. Listen, even in how we designed this church, I wanted to be gospel-centered, meaning I wanted everything to point to the person of Jesus Christ. Everything. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to give you guys six things that's unique about this building. What's the gospel in Jesus is that maybe you didn't know? Number one, the speaker. We have a steeple. We're a church that's been like warehouses and gyms. We have a steeple. It's kind of weird. It has two primary functions. Number one is its lines were vertical to draw people's eyes towards the heavens. Number two, it was typically the highest point in the neighborhood so people knew what was most important and where the church was. How cool is that? The second thing is this, stained glass. Look up. 
we have stained glass. Guys, I was at a CrossFit gym last week. We have stained glass. I don't even know what to do with it. The use of stained glass windows in churches gained popularity, popularity during the mid-12th century. The main purpose was to create a heavenly light that symbolized the presence of God. The pulpit. Now listen, this pulpit is not our pulpit. I borrowed this from my cousin. We are actually having a new pulpit and we can handle the day the bench. We're excited about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why. The pulpit during and after the Reformation, the pulpit was repositioned from the left to the center to emphasize the centrality of God's word in the church. What was our first mistake in the church? The word of God. This is the most important thing. This isn't about me. This isn't about me being the most important person who I've been Whoever stands here, this is the most important thing. The centrality of God's word. Now, baptistry and communion table. The two sacraments, the two ordinances, the only two sacraments and ordinances that Jesus gave us as an ecclesia or church to do was baptism and the Lord's Supper. And when we were designing this, we talked about, hey, let's get an LED screen and let's cover this all up. My staff can tell you. I was like, no, I will not cover that baptism. I won't go, because the two things that Jesus gave us to do that are central to what he wanted was baptism and the Lord's Supper. So when people come into our church, they see the Word, they see the Lord's Supper, they see the baptism. Yeah. Now, but there's also something else they see. The most important thing of all, the central part of our faith, the cross. Look at that thing. Listen, Paul said, I desire to preach nothing but Christ and the crucified. Now, there's a reason that Protestant churches don't have a crucifix, or Jesus still hanging on it. Because he died on it. But guess what? He was raised again. So there's a reason we have an empty cross and we have one there. We're going to have one. We have one that lights up at night on the front of our building. We have one in front of this. We finally people get to tangibly experience the gospel message, not just in the words of my mouth, but in everything about this building. Now, the last thing I wanted to mention how awesome is it is that we have that same cafeteria. Right? Who doesn't love food? We love food, right? But listen, we know that a church building is to equip the saints to commit to fellowship, to commit to breaking bread together. Right? We want to enter people into our community, into the community of heaven, and we have a cafeteria to kitchen to be able to do that. Who knows what we're going to accomplish with the gospel with that silly room? All I know is God wants us to have one. Here's what was it in our building plans. And God gave us one. Now, now it's important that, that, we, that we understand this about the church. A building is awesome, and we want to point to Jesus. But the building is not the end of the game. The building is not something we're going to idolize. Okay? We know that Jesus is among us, period. We know that we are his church. When we come together, he's there. We can come together in the CrossFit gym, we can come together in the house. Jesus is there. I want to make sure and emphasize that although this building is beautiful, it is given to us. It is not the central thing. It is not something we're going to idolize as a church. Now, who's the head of our church? I'm going 
talk about this. Everyone said, who's the head of our church? Jesus. I'm going to break this scripture down. Colossians 1, 15, five verses here. 15 says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Christ is the image of the character and person of the invisible God. God it's hard for us to think of something that's material. See, people think God's made up of material, right? He's not. He's not made up of material. He's immaterial. But Jesus came and was the actual image of who God was. People for the first time could see the exact character of who God was in the person of Jesus. Now, so this is the firstborn of all creation. What does that mean, the firstborn of all creation? See, in Judaism, the firstborn was the one that opened the womb of the woman. They had a lot of kids back then. He was the one that would start the family. Well, Jesus, see, he opens the womb. And through everything, and through him, everything was created. He started it all. The firstborn of all creation. Verse 16 says this, For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, with thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. You are his. This building is his. All things are his. All things were made for him. All things were not made for you. All things were not made for you, they were made for Him. To live a life in complete happiness means I live for Him to glorify Him, not to glorify me. Here's what Jesus is not. Jesus is not the guy where you just live your life and then He gets to add to it. I live my life for my job. Hopefully Jesus can come help my job. No, you work your job for Jesus. There's a difference. And what so many people in our world don't understand is that they're the opposite. They come in, and I talk about this a lot. They want a genie. They want a slot machine. They want Jesus to come in and help their life as opposed to dying in their life and being resurrected to his life and what he wants. Verse 17 says this, that he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Nothing in our lives or in the world hold together without Christ. He is part of the triune God and has been forever. Perfect, loving relationship in the Trinity. Jesus, what most people don't understand, Jesus did not get created when he was incarnated. When Jesus came to the earth, he had already been here since the very beginning of time. Actually, no, no, he's eternal. And that's right. He has always been in the Trinity. When I say the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's always been in perfect relationship. Simply when he came to earth, he was incarnated, and we got to see him. Now, verse 18, and here's what we're going to get to. And he is the head of the body, the church, the ecclesia. He is beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Christ is the head of this church. What are we without our head? Christ is life, and his life is the light of men. He is the good part of us. He is what's beautiful. He is what's good. We are the bride, and he is our bride. Without him, we are incomplete and lacking. We have to understand, guys, it's not us that makes this church awesome. It's not us that makes any church awesome. 
the good parts of all people are Christ Himself. That's how we should live our lives. Everything that we do as a Rock Church member needs to glorify the only one that matters, and that's Jesus Christ. Everything, every job, every business we start, the way that we take care of our kids, the way that we father, the way that we mother, the way that we relationships, everything we do, we should desire to point it to Jesus. Because He is the head of us. Verse 19 says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's in Him and only Him. He's the only person that ever walked a perfect life. He's the only person that God was fully pleased to dwell. But, verse 20, that He threw Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, to be peace by the blood of His cross. Now, the word reconcile there means this to restore. To exist in harmony or be compatible. Christ said he's reconciling himself to himself. Read it. Is it okay? Thank you. Thank you. God Christ is reconciling to himself. Louder. Reconciling to himself. There we go. My boy's up front. Christ is reconciling to himself all things. All heaven. All the earth. Our King, our friend, Jesus Christ, is reconciling to himself all things. So when I say all things, what does that mean? Does it mean only people? No. He's reconciling neighborhoods. He's reconciling liars and perverts and drug addicts and cities and towns and environments and relationships and kids and fathers and businesses. Christ is reconciling to himself all things. As his body, as his ecclesia, as his church, we are to partner in that mission. Guys, this building is nothing more. I don't want to explain this. I just forgot about this. Imagine rolling a snowball at the top of a hill. But at the other side, there's an eternally long slope. This building is that we've got a snowball at the top of the person. Did you hear that? This is nothing more than a pivotal moment in rock church history. This is not the climax. This is not the top. This is simply a tool to use to help reconcile to Christ all things. No platform really to I've said it before. There's a reason God didn't put us over on a tree not where we wanted to go. There was no surrounding neighborhood. I am so excited to be able to make an impact in the neighborhood. I'm so excited to be a part of reconciling anything and everything that needs reconciled in this world. And it doesn't work. But listen, this is not, this is not me. I, this, the success of this ministry does not hinge on me. The success of this ministry hinges on people showing up during the week to help paint walls in the building. We had people laying their lives down this Absolutely amazing to see. Amazing. And listen, it doesn't stop me. We need each and every one of you members of Red Church to lay your lives down. Now, does that mean I'm not going to work my job and I'm going to come to the walls of church? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are going to glorify God in everything that you do and begin reconciling things to Him. In your workplace, you're going to be the difference maker. In the workplace, you're going to honor God in relationships and show people there's a different and better way. You guys are going to be reconciled for Christ. Reconcilers for 
Christ. This building is nothing more than for a catalyst for what's to come. So based on what he does to come, you know, we went, went over. I'm go that way. So, in these walls, I want to talk about this thing. In these walls, our goal is this. In these walls, we will love one another. In these walls, we will be committed to the gospel. In these walls, we will be challenged because God never wants to leave us the same. In these walls, we will find comfort. In these walls, we will be made uncomfortable. In these walls, we will commit to experiencing the tangible presence of God. In these walls, we will be equipped to take the message of the gospel outside into our workplace and into the world. In these walls, our children will be raised up in the way of God. In the way of the Lord. You guys stand up with me? Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. God, would you help us to be stewards of what you've given us, Lord? We don't want to worship this building. This building is nothing more than material, but you are the immaterial thing that it was all created for, created through. We want it to glorify you. Everything from the steeple to the pulpit to the baptism to the foyer to the kitchen, everything points to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you empower these people with the Holy Spirit to walk as you've called them to walk? That they keep this step with your spirit like the word says. That they become all that you want them to become. Father, we know that we're sinful. We thank you that this cross represents what you did for us. That you eternally see us as perfect because we live in relationship and union with Jesus Christ. Our meeting is sitting at the right hand of the Father, pleading for us. God, we need for us. He's the reason you see us as you see us, and that's as a person. I thank you for this day and the people that were baptized by the Lord.